But uh, hello and welcome to Crinkly Commentaries. As always, my name is Jack Mastro, and as always, I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello, how are you today? Uh, not that excited to talk more about this movie. Oh, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> no way. You're not, you're not excited to talk for another hour and a half about this excellent movie? <clears throat> I don't understand how that could be the case based on your uh my your... my uh reaction to last episode. Yeah, your endorsement of it last week. Yeah, um, I definitely was very positive on this movie 100%. <laughs> I mean, you weren't overly negative, but No. Know. No. In contrast just, to you. In contrast exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, yeah, Amadeus is the is the movie we're talking about, 1984. Uh, last week we kind of just went over our, you know, our initial thoughts, and basic facts, as we just discussed our initial did the, thoughts. Did the were... summary and all that, and uh, yeah, yeah. Talked exactly. a little bit about how this movie came about. Exactly, exactly. The stage production. Um, mm-hmm. There were a few things that we uh, we kind of left, you know, in question, you know, yeah. which we'll talk about in just one second. But before we get to that, I just wanted to ask you a question. Do you? Do you like Mozart's operas? Is that something you're into? I mean, I don't like frequently listen to them. Uh, I think the music is very good. Uh, I think I am a little bit of disadvantage not understanding any of what's going on in the opera. Not right, the but you've not like written. done. You've not like you're not into them in the sense that you've not like you know looked into the operas and stuff like that. Not hugely. I know a little bit about them, though. Right, right. Just out of curiosity, because I think that's definitely, like, I'm definitely a big fan of Mozart, so, like, I've got a, a bit of background information, which I think definitely kind of makes a difference when you're kind of, like, pre-interested in the figure. Right. If that yeah. makes sense. Anyway. Yeah, no, like, I like Mozart, but I would not say that I'm, like, you know, I'm constantly listening to Mozart. You're right. I mean, me either, but, you know. Yeah. I'm a fan of his. Anyway, it's all a digression. Um, what I was talking about earlier, the stuff that we kind of talked about, uh, we left on last week, is kind of, you know, the director's cut and the theatrical cut stuff. Um, yeah. I looked into a little bit of it to try and, you know, sort it out a bit. Okay, so so what, what, what would you say is the biggest difference in the director's cut? versus theatrical cut the biggest difference is, well i would honestly there's a few scenes like it's well there's more than a few scenes that are cut out in the theatrical version because right. well first of all the director's cuts 20 minutes longer um, wow that's significant it's certainly not insignificant um uh i think possibly maybe i should have watched the theatrical cut i don't know I maybe yeah exactly yeah. exactly perhaps you would have been like there's for example the uh, the whole scene with like the dogs remember that scene with the guy with the dogs yeah and that whole plot line with Salieri like you know recommending Mozart to this guy that's yeah. not in it that whole bit that's the part they cut out that's one of them that's one okay because that bit's like... only like two minutes. In total, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it seems they cut that out, and then they cut out. Um, there, there's a lot of little things that they cut out, but they there's 
the one of the big things is that there are distinctly no boobs in the theatrical cut. That whole scene is cut. That changes a lot, actually. It is exactly. It's actually you would, a really you know you would scene. normally expect like you know a lot of nudity in films is superfluous. Yeah, exactly. But it I mean, is. in it's this specific is. scene, I think it changes the scene completely. It does. It changes the whole, and it's not even the it's not even the nudity that's cut out. It's the whole scene is cut. Right. It's the whole scene. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, it wouldn't make sense if just the nudity was cut. That's kind of, as you say, that's kind well, of. Well, yeah. Cool. Otherwise, it wouldn't. They, the scene wouldn't really make any sense. Exactly. And 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 I was I was list, like uh, reading some people like talking about it. Who like you know grew up on the theatrical version and then later saw the, you know director's cut, and vice yeah. versa. And there was a lot of discussion about how like um, it 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 there's it doesn't in the theatrical version without that scene, uh, Constanza's fucking well her at reaction the end, exactly yeah, her reaction to Salieri doesn't make any sense exactly it makes no sense whatsoever so. I don't know. Wait, so then is that entire plot line cut out? Like her bringing the the music to Salieri? That I don't know. Right. Because otherwise, actually, how do they resolve that plot line? Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Yeah. It must have been. That must have been cut as well. But, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. And also just little stuff, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like is just elongated like certain bits with the the preacher and old Salieri or the priest and the right. old Salieri are like, you know, yeah. extended. And yeah, you like... could probably yeah, you could probably change that a little bit. Like yeah, but, it, I mean, I I'm just thinking like there's a really easy target for cutting. <laughs> oh yeah, what's that? <laughs> yeah. It's like why would you cut other things? <laughs> what would you what is your target? Uh all the opera. Ugh. Such an in, it's such an incorrect take. <laughs> That's why I ask if you like Mozart's operas because like I it's just it's awesome to watch them and they're staged so well and it's yeah but I feel like the, they're getting in the way of the story. But they are Mozart the story. They are the story. They are Mozart's character. Damn it! <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> um. Where was I? <laughs> were were they in the stage production? I don't know actually. That's a good question. Because it would be kind of weird to well, I mean, it's been done before, but to have a play within a play, I think logistically that would be more difficult on stage. That would be uh more difficult. I imagine they weren't in the uh, in this to the same capacity, but I really right. don't know. To be honest, I have no clue, so I guess I won't really speculate. Um but yeah, so there's actually one one moment that is in the uh, theatrical version that isn't in the director's cut. Oh, and what happens there? It's one line. Yeah. Uh, and it's Salieri right after he burns the crucifix. Um, yeah. What the, does he say? In the director's cut, it cuts away there. In the theatrical cut, it cuts back to old Salieri who says. I will ruin your incarnation. What? Okay. Interesting. So I guess he's speaking to Christ. I I don't know why that was... I can see why that yeah. would get cut from the director's cut. It's kind of a pointless bit there. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. 
It's just an extra it's bit superfluous. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's kind of all the stuff we've kind of were discussing last week. We can actually get into this week's material. Yes. Why don't we? Why don't get we? Get on do with it. Yes. That? Get on with it. I wonder how long that sequence is of that. What? Sound, get sound on with light. it. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, we should not focus on that. Instead, we should uh, get on get, with. Get, um so yeah yeah. so this week we're going to talk about the music because we we discussed that a bit last week uh but we didn't go into detail and then we're going to talk about the production and uh you know maybe some other stuff about how you know yeah the 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 the, the, uh shots were 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 done yeah you know what Um, i think that there could be some more of in this movie is salieri's music actually I agree. I don't think there was enough of it. Not enough time. Yeah. Too too many. Uh, you gotta have all those. Salieri's music's not important. That's the point. I would argue Salieri's music's very important. The idea of it, but actually the hearing it. Maybe it's even right. a good thing though. We could kind of adds to the idea. Well, maybe the problem is that Salieri's music like was like too good. To yeah, be maybe. In the movie. Uh, yeah. That or they just didn't want you know. The point is that he's supposed to be unknown after the case, so maybe right, they okay, don't want you to know him, right? They want it that right. to kind of stay the case, I- even in the retelling, so that you know the viewer has that. You know. Right. Okay. I see. That's my idea, but mm. I don't know. I I would have, like you said, I actually would have liked to hear more of it just for my own. Yeah, like curiosity him. at least. Yeah, I think it would have been cool. Though definitely going on a Salieri deep dive after this. Oh yeah, yeah. I was listening to some Salieri early, earlier, yeah, earlier today. It's 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 good stuff. He's he's a talented yeah. composer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from what I understand, like at the time, he was like roughly like uh, comparable to Mozart, right? Yeah, I like the movie does portray. We'll get perhaps more into this later, but the movie definitely like portrays his like status and prestige fairly accurately like right. he, at the time um mm-hmm. but yeah like i said we'll get into more of that later so anyway let's 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 talk about the music um the uh the music director and kind of the most important dude involved in the music is uh, a guy named sir neville uh, mariner mm-hmm. and this guy uh, I don't think he actually did any other movies because, you know, I don't think that was really his thing. So what was he mostly into? He he was a, as you can imagine, a classical musician. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what did he play? But I think he played the violin in, like, several London orchestras. Um, okay. And then after that, he became, like, a fan. He founded and conducted several of his own orchestras, like, in the U.S. Like, there was one in, like, Minnesota. <laughs> I forget what the other okay, one's cool. called. Um, and he's actually, he's one of the most recorded conductors is one of the things that said uh, about him, which I had a little bit of a uh, a qualm with the wording at least. Why? Because you don't record a conductor? Is it technic- conductor doesn't make any sound? Yeah. Is he technically recorded if he's conducted? Is he, or conducting? Like, 
He's playing the orchestra, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But what, I guess, right, he's, he's part of it, right? He's, it's not happening without him, so he's, you know... It's, I mean, I don't know enough about, like, uh, you know, what goes on uh, behind the scenes in an orchestra, but I just know people like to make fun of conductors. Yeah, I know, I know. I feel like he's more of a producer than a... Performer. Well, I mean, I, I, I can't really weigh in on that. I mean, that's... I don't know anything about conducting, but all I know about conducting is uh, from the maestro from Seinfeld. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so not much. So not much, yeah, exactly. Um, the maestro was a fan of Salieri, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, I think he is. <laughs> yeah? I think he is. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so anyway, they they uh Sir Neville Mariner, he uh they wanted him. I don't know why they wanted him or how they heard of him, but basically they they got in contact with him and they caught him while he was at an airport during a layover. Oh, um, really? Yeah, and, and they gave him like less than an hour to consider the job. At least that's what he says. Um I bet he could have been like, give me a fucking little bit to think about it. But Yeah, clearly he, he accepted it within an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He said he had they yeah. gave him less than an hour. Um according to Milo Schwarman, the director, I don't know if we've mentioned him yet today, but um, Yes, Milo Schwarman directed this film. Exactly, yeah. Uh according to him, Mariner agreed to do the film under the condition, quote, not one note of Mozart be changed. Which oh, I nice. guess which is a good condition, I think, uh, and a very uh, something you'd expect from you know a uh, uh, you know classical purist. Exactly, but yeah. So after they they got him on board, they they recorded all the music before they did any production. Um, right. And so I wonder why they decided to record everything themselves, given that it was literally unchanged because they needed a lot of different um a layers that they needed their very control over first i see and then they wanted to be able to to mix it in differently exactly like i see yeah like i think they just wanted the utmost because i mean i was just gonna say because like surely there's great recordings of all that music that already existed Absolutely, and I, I mean, to be fair, they maybe could have got, like, you know, the uh, masters of other, um, you know, recordings. I don't know how that works exactly, but, you know, and then... Well, you can license and... them and things like that, yeah. Yeah, But um, yeah. I don't... I, I, um, if they, I think if they wanted specific, like, different layers of it, I think that um, they probably had to do some, some so, stuff. Yeah, especially. yeah. And, and, you know, for the tone that they wanted, I'm sure Milo Schwerman was very, you know... Specific? <laughs> specific. Yeah. Right. We'll talk about his directing style a little bit more later. It's... it's. Yeah, I've heard some funny stories. It's distinct. It's, uh... Yeah. <clears throat> um, it's distinct. He, uh... Sir Neville Mariner also helped write, uh, and quote... Or, and coach the actors during that final Requiem scene. Oh, Yeah. He was heavily the part in- that I was complaining about. Yeah, yeah, he was heavily involved in that scene, and uh, apparently Tom Hulse would intentionally sometimes, like for 
the purpose of, but then also because there was so much and it was like kind of an improvised scene in some ways. Yeah. He would intentionally and not so leave out like pertinent information so that, um, uh, you know, F. Murray Abraham actually was somewhat confused sometimes, you know. Oh, okay. Which, you know, as to the reality of the fact... You know, that it might have confused an actual composer, you know, because it didn't actually make sense, even though it was supposed to. I mean, F. Murray Abraham's not exactly a composer. No, but the point is it was... Although he played one in a film. It's true, he did, he did. Um, But my, no, my point is that, you know, it was actually musically, it made sense confirmed because it was written, you know, it was, you know, heavily involved by... Sir Neville Mariner, but then it was garbled in its actual reading, also right. confirmed. So my point is that that could have actually confused an actual composer who would have been listening to it. <laughs> right. And But the point that Tom Hulse was making in an interview was that, like, it, it kind of worked because, uh, you know, Mozart's supposed to be on his deathbed and not necessarily... Exactly, not the most coherent. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to, like try and dunk on you i don't think it worked but you know i just no, wanted I to try i want to try my best to do it so that's my version of that um we can okay. talk about the production now <laughs> yeah why don't we do that so as we mentioned last week uh they filmed this in czechoslovakia in prague and uh, uh, uh when they entered prague <laughs> apparently milos told Saul Zance. He's like, all right, now that we're here, there's no more logic. Forget logic. <laughs> Wait, what? Which I think basically. What does that mean? I think it's basically his way of being like, don't try to be reasonable. Just like you know, we let's just keep your head down and like you know, do what they tell. I think it's just kind of like let's not make trouble. Let's not try and be oh, reasonable see, in the yeah. face of in the face of non-reason, which I, I think see. was his his you know. Uh, uh, admonishment of the government. Right, yeah, definitely. Um, but like we were saying last week, it really was the, the, the perfect location for shooting. Um, yeah, be- yeah. I mean, um, specifically, they shot literally in the opera house where uh, Don Giovanni premiered. Yeah, exactly. That's so sick. Such a absolutely sick detail. Um, Although I think in the movie they made that happen in Vienna, which is funny. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think that's true. I think that is true. I mean, they don't specify that that is the premiere, but I think it's implied to be. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's implied to be. So, yeah. yeah. Um, But, yeah, so basically the reason that they chose Prague was because, as we said, perfectly, you know, maintained, basically. What? not maintained, preserved. I have preserved. to talk about that later. Okay, sorry, preserved. <laughs> <laughs> preserved, not maintained, okay. Um, interesting distinction. So basically they had nothing to do, really, like to make it ready for shooting. Yeah, uh, visually it looked it looked correct already. They yeah. just needed basically costumes and everything. Yeah, exactly. The guy, the, one of the, the uh, stage manager guys, I forget exactly what his title was, but he was like, yeah, you just had to fucking throw some dirt down and, you know, take down the electric lights and you were good to go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and Milos was saying, yeah, you could spin the camera 360 degrees and, you know, not have to change anything. Um, yeah, perfect. 
but yeah. So a detail I forgot to mention last week, um, I think I forgot to mention it, was that Meg Tilly was actually initially cast as Constanza. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and she actually made the trip to Prague with them. What happened? This is weird. She apparently tore a ligament playing soccer. Um, really? Which is very fortunate. And, like, yeah. they gave her kind of, they gave her a five-week recovery time. But um, I guess that wasn't enough? Well, I think... Well, no, the doctor said she would be at least five weeks oh, before right, she could yeah, even yeah. be in the film. But because they were already in Prague and because it was, like... Yeah, they couldn't they couldn't financially do that. Yeah, exactly. They couldn't halt production for for five weeks, you know. So yeah, that, so they had to cast at last minute uh, Elizabeth Barrage. Yeah, it it really sucked. Like, because apparently they had done tons of rehearsal, and according to Tom, yeah, Hulse, that is that is terrible. Yeah, that's rough. It really is so rough because according to Tom Hulse, they were kind of like on their high horse. Like they had done a bunch of rehearsal. They really felt good about what they were doing. You know. Yeah. They were like they were in the zone. Um, yeah. Well, then props to Elizabeth Barrage, honestly, for coming in there at last second and uh, pulling it off. Yeah, she did such a good job. Really, really yeah. such a good job. And so yeah. the way they they cast her is apparently so it's like oh fuck we got to recast this character. Um, mm-hmm. They so they took the Concorde. I'm sure you're familiar with the Concorde. Yes. Um, a very fast they, jet. Yeah, which at one point exploded, so it's not around anymore. Um, Did it? Pretty anyway, sure that's never mind. pretty sure it exploded. No, it was just too loud, from what I understand. It fuel inefficient, but it Did might it have not... exploded. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I feel like it. Exp- I feel like I have to look this up now. But it was extremely loud and fuel inefficient and expensive yeah, it was to not... operate. Yeah, it was not efficient. It was you know wasn't. You but know. anyway, that's <laughs> beside the point. They took this really fast jet that was really expensive. Yeah. And like you could get like across the Atlantic Ocean in like a cu- like an hour or two. Yeah, it's like a couple hours, basically. Ninety minutes from like New York to Paris or whatever. Yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like it did explode based on what I'm seeing here. No, yeah, it was just accidents really loud. and incidents. Oh, maybe. Uh, May nineteenth. 19th... Okay, there was a crash. But anyway, um, I don't know if that's directly why it was somewhat irrelevant the, yeah it's somewhat <laughs> but... irrelevant to the whole situation anyway so they took the court to new york from Prague, and they fucking they read uh, 60 60 women for the part and apparently it came down to two two people so weird they flew both of them back to Prague. yeah for a screen test and then kind of with the assumption that it's like we're gonna do a screen test then like literally fly you back tomorrow when we figure out you know which one we want yeah um but they kept them on the hook uh for a week yeah like in really Prague. uh what were they doing were they shooting scenes with both of them i think basically they just did like a screen test and then they were shooting stuff that didn't have that character in it. yeah and then they couldn't decide and then apparently um so milos he he told uh, Barrage that she had the part um, yeah. because well he said they both had the part he was like you're both perfect I can't decide you both have the part you're both perfect um, but, <laughs> but one of you is too pretty to play Constanza oh really 
So, Barrage got to play Constanza, but Milos is a dickhead. Like, yeah, kind of rude. <laughs> like, like, fuck off a little bit, but like, I guess, yeah. all right, all right. Anyway, it was a while ago. So, do we know who the other actress was? No, uh, they didn't mention, and in, in, in the uh, documentary I was watching, uh, they... They seem to take special care not to say her name. So, really, okay. uh, I don't know why that is. Um, but ultimately, Miller said that uh, Elizabeth Barrage, as much as he liked Meg Tilly and as good as it was, he said that she was better for the role. Ultimately, which well. I, is kind of something he probably has to say. <laughs> but yeah, that's true. But I don't know. It it could be true. He doesn't necessarily I mean, we'll never know. Exactly, exactly. So, as we were talking about the music, it was uh, recorded beforehand um, Mm -hmm. because they needed it, obviously. The characters playing the piano and the various instruments, like, uh, in the scenes. Like, you know, when Mozart's playing, actually playing, sitting down at a piano and playing it. Did Tom Holtz have to learn how to play it all? Yes. He did. That's a tall order. But so I assume he didn't actually... they shot from a direction in which you couldn't see the keys as much as they could, right? I assume so. Yes. Yeah. But so what? What there they, are scenes what they where did... he can. I said in a lot of the scenes where he has to play the piano, he's drunk. That is also true. But the point is, he's which, drunk, but also helps... amazing at the piano. Yeah, but I'm saying him being drunk helps like cover over any minor mistakes, right? Yeah. Well, the, so he didn't actually have to play the piano. It, he What he did was he, the piano that they played was not hooked up to anything, so he just fingered the the keys, like he played the Right, the and he just needed to do it well enough that it matched up. Exactly. So he needed to, right. and he, they, they either played the music in the background, or if there was dialogue, they would have like uh, it in their ears, which honestly mm-hmm. sounds so fucking hard. To like, you know, time that all up. Yeah. You know, as an actor. Um, yeah. Well, as long as it's not like radically off, I think that. Yeah, it's I suppose that's fine. True. Yeah. But like, even then, it's like the Tom Hall spits is like. Yeah. He does some really he impressive. Had to, do, had to do a lot. Stuff yeah. like apparently practiced constantly. Right. Um, yeah. Milos claims that he never hits a wrong key in the film. I don't know how he could know that. Wow. I don't know. Maybe he got, uh, what's his name, to look at it. Neville yeah, Mariner. I, su- I suppose he probably did. I suppose he probably did, like, have him look over it and be like, yeah. you know. Even in the bit where he plays upside down, he actually had to, like, you know, learn how to, you know, do that. <laughs> right. It was hilarious, yeah. though, because he said, like, I, or Tom Hulse was saying that, like, he's, I started, you know, I started to believe it, you know, a little bit. Um, what that he know, was really good that that i could like that because I, I was you know hearing myself and watching it happen so much but then when i you know would actually sit down and you heard my rendition of it <laughs> oh it would be yeah exactly it was really really bad in comparison right um but still you know he learned the fingering he could he did that's actually something. learn to play these pieces from you know right so that's something it's like, he's just it's not, not quite easy. mozart yeah, exactly. He's not a classical pianist, and he did it, you know, while they were, you know, shooting and just beforehand. So, right. 
<clears throat> but anyway, this is, you know, this is all kind of vague stuff. In terms of actual, you know, boots on the ground in Prague, they did all the old Salieri stuff uh, first. That oh, really? Was... Yeah, and uh, I, I think... guess they could do that while they were looking for an actress because it only had two characters in it. Yeah, exactly. For the most That's part. Good good point that's probably why they did it actually is because it yeah. really it was just you know yeah just the two of them yeah yeah in the it's insane asylum yes the insane asylum was apparently a uh, a war museum um, oh really yeah in the sense that it, it had been a hospital during the 30 years war um oh and okay. had been you know sort of preserved as a um I'm trying to remember which one was the Thirty Years War. The big one. What do you mean? Oh, it was, it was very de- a lot of people were involved and it was very devastating. Right. Is this not the one in Barry Lyndon? No, that's the Seven Years War. Right, right. Oh yeah, sorry. Thirty Years War is sixteen eighteen to sixteen forty eight. It's um Kingdom of Bohemia, Sweden, uh Savoy, Transylvania, Dutch Republic, Denmark, Norway, Saxony. France, Sweden, Dutch versus you know the Holy Roman Empire, Spanish Empire. Oh, so it's not it's not a war we learned about in school because the British or the uh, Americans or the Canadians are not in it. Yeah, exactly. They uh, they were nearly drawn into it um, several times, but right. uh, Anyway, that's that's a different story. Um, Yeah, the War Museum. So hospital during the Thirty Years' War. Apparently there was like it was full of cannons. Oh really? Did, I did, I assume they took them out. Yeah, yeah, they, they had to like yeah, make them look like, like a uh, insane asylum. Yeah, and apparently Milos was was like when they were scouting it out, he was like, you know, this is perfect, and everybody else was mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's perfect, except we're gonna have to move all these cannons. And Milos was like, oh yeah, we're gonna have to move all the cannons. And everybody was like, but other than that, like everybody else was like, good lord, there's like, <laughs> there's like. 50 cannons here and we like in the interview he was like yeah i guess i didn't really know yeah he seemed to be living kind of in his own world a little bit yeah yeah exactly (laughs) coincidentally though this is hilarious the uh the upper floors of the museum had been converted into a secret police archive oh really and the secret police were highly suspicious that they had chosen to film here. Oh. Yeah. I assume they had a file on him? Yeah, probably. Um, apparently everyone was, like, grilled after this whole fucking... Really? After they decided to film here. The secret police like, were very why are suspicious. why filming here? <laughs> and why here? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I guess they worked it out because they filmed there. Yeah. And uh, in doing so, they had to obviously put fucking uh, F. Murray Abraham into the old man makeup, which looked really good. Yeah, it looked pretty good to me. It's like, you know, old man makeup, old person makeup's never amazing. Sometimes it's done better than others, but... Yeah, I mean... I generally I think it's... the makeup is better than the CGI shit they use nowadays. Oh, CGI is obviously worse. Like, obvi- I think good casting is the best way. I think but... aging CGI is so bad. Yeah, I don't know why they but bother that's, doing that. that's not the point. 
Yeah, they they didn't have access to such things here, thankfully. Um, exactly. So they did did it the old-fashioned way, and it took four and a half hours to do. Oh, every to get morning. into the cell, your makeup. Yeah, which uh, F. Maria Abraham was saying uh, uh, kind of actually helped the performance a little bit. Helped because, him get into character. Yeah, it's like well, like because you're waking up at you know four in the morning, and then you're sitting having makeup applied for four and a half hours. And then, you know, while you're you're in the makeup, you're kind of, your movement's a little bit restricted. You just, like, like I felt like I looked in the mirror, I, I believed it, you know, and I felt he like He believed it. he was old. Yeah. So he's like, after that, it was pretty easy. Nice. Um, but he also, he would, F. Murray Abraham was also just, like, he, like, was, he's very uh, humble about his performance. He was like, uh, you know, he's like, uh, uh it was it's you know beautiful words and beautiful music i really had very little you know little to do i had to do to you know to make right, it I see. good as you saw in the film there were i did there were several snow scenes yes and this was actually proved to be a bit of a problem because uh uh uh, uh there was Apparently, no snow forecast in the long-term weather uh, for that winter. That's um, annoying. Super what did annoying. they do? So they just basically they moved all, all the snow scenes to a later date. Um, specifically, what was the name of that guy from Trek? Oh yeah, uh... with the interesting face, who is like oh, Salieri's like footman. Let me quickly find that because that guy's actually uh he's got some funny stories he uh he, his scene was moved to march they started i believe in the in the you know fall um mm-hmm. and they decided that they're like okay we're gonna move it to march we're gonna use fake snow um but just that guy in, was vincent chiavelli vincent chiavelli i gotta remember that um and so because that i guess that wasn't the only scene with snow but they were like, all right, going to March, you can do other work until March, we'll call you. Mm-hmm. But I think there were other scenes with snow, because apparently, according to Milos, they had to prepare two sets, you know, very frequently. Uh, one in case there was overnight snowfall, and one in case, you know, there wasn't. Um, oh, and, and so then if there was snow, they would shoot the snow scene? Exactly, exactly. I see. So, <laughs> Milos was saying, like, so it was a lot of work. But, uh, you know, that was not my problem. <laughs> yeah, I so, mean, uh, I guess, I don't know. Does it snow more in Vienna probably than it does in Prague? I would guess maybe, but I don't, yeah. I don't know how I'm just wondering if farther... that was, uh, if maybe they didn't think about that when they were picking locations. Yeah, maybe. They, yeah, didn't really consider it. Yeah, uh, they only consider the architecture. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Vincent Chiavelli. Yep. He he uh, he took other work. He had a TV show booked. Um, he had a, so it was yeah it was a Thursday. He had a show booked for a Monday, but he gets a panicked call mm-hmm. uh, from the producer, uh, being like, "It's snowing! It's snowing! You have to fucking <laughs> you got to come to Prague right shoot. now." Yeah. So he was like, all right, uh, we're going to fly you out to Prague tomorrow, and we'll get mm-hmm. you back for your shoot on Monday. 
So they 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 uh, flew him out on the Friday. They did all the exterior shots on the Saturday, and then they flew him back on Sunday. Nice. So it's like in and out. Get the snow. Did they use the Concorde for that one? I assume they probably yeah. must have, because otherwise that would take a long time, wouldn't it? Yeah, basically. Apparently, he was saying that a, a Czech friend of his, who was like in the U.S., asked uh, him to bring two fresh pineapples to his daughter. Okay. Um, which is interesting. Um, but apparently it was a big... Request? Odd request, but apparently it was a big deal because, like, uh, everyone was, like, shocked about, you know, the pineapples. He was telling a story. He was, like, on set, and he was talking to, like, uh, 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 a guy about how he had brought some pineapple. And the guy was like, uh, oh, yeah, canned pineapple, canned pineapple. And the dude was like, no, 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 fresh. Oh, no, fresh pineapple, yeah. And the dude was like, I what? guess that's probably hard fresh? to come by over there. Yeah, exactly. Because then he, yeah. he, he he said, I watch, then watched this guy go around and tell this story to a bunch of other people. And I saw them all have the same reaction where they would go like, yeah, yeah, in a can. And he would go like, no, no, fresh. And they'd be like, what? Yeah. I didn't it's think about kind that. Of funny. Yeah. Vincent Chiavelli was like, "Yeah, so basically, I must have had the only two fresh pineapples in uh, in all of Czechoslovakia." In Czechoslovakia. Yeah. As you mentioned, the a lot of the theater scenes were done in the same theater where the real life Mozart premiered the actual Don Giovanni opera. Indeed, uh, which where they filmed the Don Giovanni. Yeah, scene it's pretty, pretty spectacular, really, if you think about it. Yeah. Um, it, it's super interesting. It, I think it the way the actors described it, it's sort of inspired a reverence, you know, in, in them. They were like, they really were taking, everyone was taking it super seriously because, you know, it, they had this like, you know, feeling of uh, almost spirituality is what F. Murray Abraham described it as. Mm-hmm. And also it was like super, you know, bizarre that they had let them, shoot there shoot there yeah no i think i'd probably watch the same thing that you watched about this probably yeah yeah exactly because fucking uh as milos said because the damn fucking commies uh it was the the place was was a fucking fire hazard yeah it was not in the best shape yeah it was apparently still like super i think what did he say it was like like you said it was preserved not maintained <laughs> that that's that that's my wording not his but yeah um, yeah that's what you basically said, yeah. he was saying like you know it was i think that somebody used the word powder keg yeah that's what they said <laughs> yeah but because basically they had to fill the whole like hall with like candles and shit right yeah yeah they used actual like, candles like if you yeah they used actual like, candles go back for the scenes yeah, like if you're like list, listeners, go back and fucking look at that scene. How many fucking candles are lit in that scene in this? Yeah, you know. and they were really surprised that like they were actually allowed to do this. Yeah, which is yeah surprising that they were allowed to do that. And they brought you know, they had like the fire brigade like on watch, I think, just in case. Yeah, but then exactly. they were telling the story about when they were doing the first like take of of the Don Giovanni bit, right? Yeah. Where the guy has like his hat uh, with the plume. Yeah, exactly. Big, huge white feather plume on his hat. Yeah, and so as he's acting, and they actually have some footage of this, 
his hat catches fire, but he doesn't notice. <laughs> and none of the fire brigade wanted to interrupt the filming of the movie <laughs> to actually say something. <laughs> I, I find that so funny. <laughs> but eventually they did, and they're just like, excuse me, I think your actor's on fire. <laughs> so funny like yeah they almost burned down the Prague opera house with 40 fucking firefighters on scene just because they're yeah exactly uh, they're rolling (laughs) i don't want to ruin the take yeah (laughs) i think the fire did that yeah exactly the fire had already done that um and that you know that was because the fucking uh, uh you know in the rehearsal they had done it obviously without the candles lit because i imagine mm-hmm. you want to have the candles lit as little as possible exactly um, so but they didn't realize that like oh you know if i not careful where my hat is it's gonna catch fire <laughs> yeah exactly there is yeah a candelabra on stage i but, hope they had a um, spare plume or two i'm i hope they did but we'll talk about that a bit more in a bit but uh Let's take a quick break from the production because I mentioned candles here. Um, yeah, okay. So I actually looked into this. Well, you mentioned candles briefly last week, and I just wanted to yeah. ask why that was because we didn't go into it. Well, okay, okay. so do you want me to play I, the sound well, effect? Let's do it. Play the sound effect, damn it. Play the sound effect. Just. Let's, let's try to talk about how they shot it. Well, because this, this relates to Barry Lyndon, we talked about. Yeah, we did. We talked. Well, we could kind of contrasted this movie with Barry Lyndon a little bit. I think mainly just because of the like aesthetic. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I actually did look into sort of the filming of this movie, and while I was able to actually find like quite a lot of like good breakdowns about like you know what lenses and everything that used on every shot and shit yeah. like that. Yeah. I don't actually think that that would be that interesting to just go over. Just go over the list of lenses that they used? Yeah, I <laughs> guess fair enough, yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I, I think this is a very well-shot movie, but I just don't... I didn't find that many really interesting stories to tell. Yeah, so basically the question here is, so when did... Barry Lyndon come out that was 1975 right yeah so like basically 10 years before this but uh, do you have any idea how much easier it would have been commercially to shoot in the dark at this point because didn't so didn't it Stanley it was Kubrick, easier because Stanley Kubrick involved NASA yes in so in, they, as you recall yeah listeners yes if you'll so, go back okay a couple episode. things here yeah uh, they did. They used the faster film stock, right? So, like on on Berlin, and the film was about what you would now say is a hundred ISO. Okay. Oh wow! Yeah, but they they pushed it in development, so it was probably about two hundred ISO. Right, practically. right. But this they filmed with a a 250 ISO stock initially. And then they probably pushed it a little bit, but also they cheated. (laughs) Also they cheated. Yeah. They didn't shoot the whole thing by candlelight. Oh, you mean in, in Amadeus. In Amadeus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was just going to (laughs) say. They had candles in the shot. 
but like but and i mean you act- can tell this just by looking at it they, it wasn't it wasn't actually exclusively candlelight yeah, it wasn't lit just by the candles in the same way it was in uh, Barry Lyndon. Yeah, in Barry Lyndon, like, it's it's very obvious there's nothing else in this scene except a candle. God, I got, that's a good, well, that's a good-looking movie. <laughs> what? Barry Lyndon? Yeah. Or this movie. This movie also looks very good. They're, they both look amazing, really. They do both look amazing. Mm. I think this this movie definitely leans sm- more on its costume and production design than Barry Lyndon does. Like, obviously, Barry Lyndon's is really good. I mean, uh, well, what was his name? Uh, that had a nervous breakdown while he was doing production design. <laughs> that's Barry right, Lyndon. that's right, that's right. Good stuff. <laughs> Go listen to that episode if you haven't heard it. Yeah, it's episodes. Sorry, yeah, three. Three-parter. Yeah. Um... But yeah, let's uh, shall we move on so this one doesn't become a three-parter? Yeah, uh, I I would say uh... get on with it. Yes, get on with it. Yeah! <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. All right. So getting on with it. Um... Yeah, you should send that over. Apparently, a lot of the scenes were like actually in the script. Some of the people were saying like in the script they really don't read like much. Like so, it's all more about how it comes to life. Yeah, it's the ambiance. Yeah, which I think mm-hmm. is a lot of. I mean, there's so much music. Like, how are you gonna write like Mozart directing or conducting? Also, you know? it's like, what are you gonna say? What are you gonna write in the script? It's like, and they performed Don Giovanni. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they wrote like stage direction. A Do you think bit. they just? I mean, they took was... the, the the libretto from Don Giovanni and just put it in there. <laughs> I, that's a good question. I don't know. Well, we'll have to look at the script. Yeah, exactly. We'll take a look. Is that that's how they shot it, right? Yeah, that's that's that's. If you want, you can look uh, up the camera details if you're interested. Yeah, in that, you can look you... up the camera details if you want, but they're actually quite detailed. But. <laughs> See, so the information's out there. The information is out there. We but, don't need uh, to list it. I, I don't think that it would be particularly interesting given right. how much stuff we're already about to talk about. All right, well, let's move on then to uh, yes. more production because there's some there's a lot of interesting stuff that, that we haven't actually discussed yet that is a whole mm-hmm. interesting dynamic to the film. Um, right. So let, let's start it with this one story. Um, okay. They're filming. It's july 4th of july um they're doing a big opera scene presumably in that same opera house and then out of nowhere uh a huge american flag unraveled um and then all the czech extras in the audience stood up and started singing uh singing the american national banner yeah yeah so and that was like they did it like as a surprise you know for the american crew i guess mm-hmm. and apparently according to milish uh it was a it was like it was basically like a political statement which was like yeah what did the secret police have to say about that sorry cop car apparently milish was saying that so everyone stood up and singing the national anthem but there was about 30 people uh, 30 extras that stayed sitting and they were very really? confused and they were looking around at one another. <laughs> yeah. And according to Milo, she's like, and these were the secret police. Oh, they weren't in on it. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So, 
apparently wait they like, just had secret police yeah like, apparently like extras because they wanted to spy on them presumably exactly apparently like half the crew were secret police is what they were saying that's really funny so funny and everybody knew it like it's like everybody knew it's like yeah that guy's a secret police that guy's secret police like (laughs) so they're not very secret no they were just you know the police basically yeah um apparently they were constantly tailed uh their hotel rooms were all bugged you know yeah all all the sort of things you'd imagine. I find the attitude that the Czechs seem to have at, at this point to the secret police is really funny. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, just that, like, you know, at at this point in time, at least, they almost seem like, like there's something to be made fun of. Yeah, yeah, kind of, a little bit. A little yeah. Bit. So, because <laughs> uh, their hotel rooms are bugged, F. Marie Abraham yeah. told a hilarious story. Uh, yeah about so it's about uh, him in a hotel room with a guy known only as frank Mm -hmm. so so frank's really bothered about the the bugs that the room's bugged he right is frank american i believe so okay he's 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 hanging out with f murray abraham he doesn't like that the room's bugged he's like i'm gonna find this bug you know i'm gonna fucking find it i'm gonna get rid of it you know right and F. Murray Abraham is just like, you know, forget about it. You know, you're just going to cause some problems. Like, fucking, we've got nothing to hide. There's no reason to just fucking, just forget about it. Like, why bother? Like, let yeah. them listen. Let them listen. They're, just, they're wasting their time, you know? Um, but the guy's like, no, no, I'm going to fucking find it. So he, like, tears the place apart. Um, and he finally finds underneath the rug uh, a suspicious metal plate uh, in the floor. Right. Um, so he's like, fucking found it. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna get rid of it now. I'm gonna get rid of it. So he starts to unscrew it with a butter knife, uh, and he <laughs> he gets it fully unscrewed. Uh, uh-huh. And they they hear the chandelier from the room beneath them crash to the floor. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so F. Murray Abraham was like, he was like, so we went to dinner like a shot. <laughs> Nice. So they just bolted. Did they have to pay for that? I, I don't think so. I think he just, like, maybe the production did. Maybe but... they just pretended it was like, oh, it fell on its own. Yeah. You know, old creaky, uh, creaky hotel. Uh, yeah, just get rid of the, the evidence and be on your way. Yeah. I know nothing about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Murray Abraham had some interesting uh, things to say about the production, about his, his kind of role in the production. Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know... He he said he sort of isolated himself from the rest of the cast and the and the and not necessarily the crew but you know the rest of the cast. Is that is that for like a acting reason or? I think it was a combination of it started off as like he actually just had other things lined up, and then it kind of right. he kind of realized that like kind of worked for the role. So he was like, you know, I'm a party guy. You know, I like to go out and party, but I kind of stayed away. You know, because I kind of wanted this sense of like I didn't want isolation familiar, exactly because I I don't want to be familiar with the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. And apparently they were saying like yeah, his relationship with Tom Hulse was like like it wasn't like they were civil obviously but they were like almost icy like not quite really but like almost like icy. yeah maybe it was like to get into the uh into the role i think it was what, what we were saying about um 
Jeff Goldblum in The Fly <laughs> was being like really mean to that guy. Yeah, to the guy who's playing uh, what is it, Stratus? Stratus Boros. <laughs> yeah, whatever the guy's name I can never remember. Yeah. 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 Exactly. He was like, yeah, way too into the whole <laughs> yeah. love triangle thing off screen. They had to kick <laughs> yeah, him off exactly. the set. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe actors just, like, take it too far sometimes. I don't know. Yeah, like, it doesn't seem like he took it too far. They took it too far here, which is which is good. It just seems yeah. like they were they were into it, and it actually helped them in their performances. In their role. They both, they both seemed yeah. to, to say, especially in that final scene when they were, like, you know, kind of improvising with one another. They, they really seemed to think it was a, a, an interesting way to – to culminate that bit uh yeah after having been you know kind of isolated um so kind of last few things in the uh production here uh Mueller's forms directing a little bit and how it's you know he's a bit we well, he's proven already he's a bit of a dick like <laughs> yeah he was uh, a dick so to Vincent Chiavelli, i think he was saying he could be abrupt but he was never wrong <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, he's a good director, but he was a bit of a dick, it seems like. Yeah. Seems that's often the case. Yeah, yeah, with these good directors. Um, he was saying, like, you know, the less you say, the better. Um, you know, you don't want to give... Because apparently... Uh, he thinks that... Milo Schwerman thinks that the less he says... Exactly. Better. Exactly. It's like, if they're... It, like if they're giving good performances, like, I don't want to, like, there's no point in telling them that was kind of his philosophy almost. It was like, just let them do their work. And if they do something that I need them to change, right. I'll tell them, you know? Well, that's funny because, like, I think some of the things he said seemed a bit cryptic to some of the actors. Yeah, totally. <laughs> do you have an example? Well, but I, yeah. Sorry? What were you going to say? Well, yeah, Vincent Chiavelli uh, was saying that during his scene, he um, uh, like he was literally just walking down like the street in Prague. Yeah, for the snow scene that they flew for the snow for. scene, and then and then he was uh, he got the comment. It's like Vincent TV is ruining you, or something <laughs> like that. You're ruining your walk. Yeah, and so then. He said he did it again a couple minutes later, and then he said it, it was amazing or whatever, right? Yeah, it's on the and next he said, I take, don't know what changed. Yeah, on the very next take, he's like, yeah, I just yeah. did it again, and then he loved it, and I don't know what I did differently, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, directors are cryptic. and, and Sometimes, yeah. And, yeah, sometimes. Um, but, yeah, he said, he said his philosophy was, as a director, was generally just get people better than better than me you know for every job <laughs> right because yes. he's like you know a director does a little bit of everything but mm -hmm. for every other job get someone who can do it better than i can is kind of yeah. what his philosophy was which is an excellent philosophy for yeah that seems to work out that role um but apparently these people those better people were very stressed about doing a good job <laughs> oh yeah Especially in Prague, because apparently it was very difficult to source materials, especially oh, for production like and costume like design. Pineapple. Exactly. But, like, you know, costume design and, and production design was apparently, like... Well, I mean, it's not a big, like, 
production center. Exactly. It's bad to, I imagine, do a lot of importing from a lot of various like, sources. This is why people still film things in like Los Angeles or New York or whatever, even though it's more expensive. <laughs> right. It's just because it's really easy to get shit. Exactly. There's just shit for filming everywhere. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, the, the apparently, you know, wigs were one thing that were very hard to come by. And really? Goodness me, guess, there were a I lot of they, wigs they were out movie. of style in communist Czechoslovakia. Say that again? They were too bourgeois. Say that again? I said they were out of style in communist Czechoslovakia. They were too bourgeois. They must have been. They must have been, yeah. <laughs> apparently, the costume designer, I loved his attitude in his interview. He was like... Um, the way I looked at this job was I just, I did everything as the best possible way, and I refused to compromise. I, if I, something wasn't good enough, I would not let it go on screen. I would refuse to compromise with the producer, no matter what he said. Hmm. <laughs> so it's like, this guy's just like, I'm just going to do my best work and fuck you. Like, right. I'm not. Nice. So I don't know how he managed to pull that off. I don't but... know how he managed to, I guess, because Milos probably was okay with that <laughs> yeah yeah well the guy was not speaking english in his interview so i, I don't actually know what language he was speaking because it was being right. over dubbed but uh was he checked by any chance that's what i assumed but i honestly don't know yeah because there was a large check component to the crew exactly and a lot of them were secret police apparently <laughs> really i assume not the crew mostly the the extras yeah because like, I feel like most secret police aren't like you know qualified to uh, operate a camera or something like that. The, no, yeah, the cameraman was a secret. The, the first AC is actually secret police. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So overall, everything that the the final like you know note on this production is that everyone on this film, like who was interviewed about it, basically says that everyone else like worked really hard you know so mm-hmm. it's like and put everything put yeah, all like it was it. a huge production like it 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 required everybody to basically be on their game exactly it's a huge production everyone had to put a lot of work into it to make it to pull it off um and they did it quite well and they made an excellent movie but you know what the movie was not what truthful oh yeah you want to talk about truth? Is that Fuck what you yeah. want to talk about? Oh, yeah. All right, tell us what the truth is. history. Or the nerd. lack thereof. So... Are you going to be a truth-sayer, lie-slayer? Yeah, I'm going to slay some lies right now. And fucking this movie... Slay the lies. I uh, This movie's a fucking liar, man. <laughs> yeah, this movie is a huge lie. This movie's, a, this movie's all a lie, man. It's all... It's fiction. There are some true things. There's actually quite a few true things, but... Also, there's quite a few fucking lies in this movie. So... Yes. Originally, what I was gonna do here is like I was just, I was actually just gonna go through the real story of Mozart, but mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of stuff that's like not in the movie or is like whatever, um, not as important to the movie. 
Mm -hmm. because it's not really a movie about his life per se it's about his relationship him and salieri exactly so i've done you know a bunch of research into mozart and also you know into salieri but you know mostly just into relation in his relationship well i feel like salieri is almost the more interesting thing in this case because it's like you know I feel like most people don't know that much about Salieri outside of this film. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And, you know, neither do Whereas I. Whereas at least Mozart of... is like a household name, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't... <laughs> they were they were saying that this, this movie did give Mozart a huge bump. Like, obviously, we were saying it gave Salieri a huge bump, but yeah. it did well, actually sta- give... Mozart was starting from a higher spot, is my exactly. point, right? Exactly, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically I've just done a bunch of research. So just, just fucking let's just why don't you just ask me some questions about accuracies because there's a lot of stuff. So like, do you have any okay. questions off the top how of your did, head? How did Mozart die? How did Mozart die? It's unclear. <laughs> so just like it is in the movie. Exactly, and it will never become more clear. It's kind of yeah. I, I assume the evidence regarding that is long gone. Yeah, but it's presumably. There's obviously, I think, hundreds of theories have been put forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but his symptoms were like, uh, you know, he had like a cough. He had sort of a fever. Um, but he also had, uh, what's it called? Rheumatic fever. <coughs> um, mm-hmm. He had that kind of recurring throughout his life. Um, so a lot of people also suggest it could have been a renal failure. Okay. Um, so again, there's, it's no one knows really. The ultimate question is no one knows. Um, you mean the ultimate answer? Yeah, sorry. Ultimate answer is that no one knows. Yeah. Which is a question, really, of itself. I guess so. But, but yeah. Okay. Oh, I so meant to say we it. don't know how Mozart died, just like we don't know no in the film. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, did Salieri actually hate Mozart? From what I understand, from all we know, is that no, he didn't. <laughs> Exactly. From all accounts point to no, he did not hate him. They maybe had sort of a professional rivalry, but that's as far as it could have gone. Like, there's no evidence to suggest. But there's no evidence to suggest that there was even, like, a particular, like, you know, uh, association between the two. Well, they were, they did know each other. um, Right. And they did interact, and in fact, Salieri was one of the people who attended Mozart's funeral. In okay, in actuality, um, which he, which I don't think they showed that. In, they did. They He's one of the guys. Movie. Oh, in the film, yeah. Okay, I was in the film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's standing among the, uh, but apparently in the he movie they show it. Constanza there, but she didn't in reality attend. The oh, funeral really? Because she was, you know, too grief stricken. I see. Um, uh, or maybe she murdered him. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Is that is that your your own speculation? No, I just made that up. It really doesn't add up. It doesn't really make sense. Like, why would she do that? I don't know. Uh, well, I'll think about it. Um, but yeah. Uh, what was the question well, I was answering? You know oh who yeah. Killed Mozart, right? Who? J.J. Abrams, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Murder. That's a deep cut, Cranker Commentary Service. That is a deep cut, but it's a good one. It's a good, good reference. Um, yeah. 
so interestingly, there there is vague credence to the idea that Salieri murdered Mozart, or that he claims to have murdered Mozart, rather. Um, there well, yeah, couple... so I know that Salieri may have, like, lost it a bit near the end, right? He did lose it a bit, and he did attempt suicide through, uh, by cutting his throat. Uh-huh. And did he survive? He did survive. And now there is some extreme hearsay that claims that they heard him say that he poisoned like Mozart. Like he did in the film. Exactly, in, the, in his delirium. Um, so there is some account by some unverified person. There's an account of an account, and this account of the account has never been found. So it's highly unlikely that it actually happened, but... There is some vague hearsay that somebody heard somebody say that Sally that the priest who was attending to Salieri heard him say that. But that he killed Mozart. But it's but never in the been... film he actually didn't. In the film he actually didn't. Yeah. He was trying to. Yeah, he wanted to. <laughs> but he didn't. But no, he did not. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's the Salieri connection. Was Mozart? uh actually an alcoholic that's debated he was definitely debaucherous in some Mm -hmm. capacities he i mean whether or not you consider he had several mistresses that's Mm -hmm. debaucherous i don't know if you compare that consider that debaucherous but i would consider uh, that fairly debaucherous yes yeah yeah um he there was also some speculation because he did write some letters he wrote a lot of letters which is why there's a lot known about him in certain capacities mm-hmm. um he did write letters begging for money um from his friends which kind of confused historians apparently some historians because he why should because have they had... think that he should have had some cash yeah they think exactly so there's some speculation that he he had some sort of vice problems that may have gambling uh, and or alcohol and or yeah, you know exactly but the yeah, specifics aren't un- unclear and that's that's all again kind of speculation did he ever ask salieri for money that i is not that is known of <laughs> okay his letter was not to salieri okay i forget who, who it, it who, i forget who it was specifically it was a friend of his but it was not salieri did he actually write Don Giovanni, or not Don Giovanni, but did he actually insert that character in Don Giovanni because it was supposed to represent his father? That is unclear. There's speculation about it, but he did write it shortly after the death of his father. Um, so there is, again, there's 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 speculation that, you know, the... Uh, uh, um, the themes do line up with where he was in his life at the time in some capacities. But Okay, I got a very good one for you here. But that could be reaching. All right, you got a good one? What did Mozart's laugh sound like? <laughs> do we have any evidence for that? Uh, yeah, you just played it. 
No, but is there like some letter or something that somebody wrote being like, and this guy has a weird ass laugh? No, I, I, that I didn't come across. And in fact, it seems that like he, like he had, he certainly had a penchant for scatological humor. He wrote battle in a lot of letters and he did have like a fucking, what he wrote, like a tiny little minuet called like lick my ass or something like that. But, um, uh, he, he, was one of the documentaries I was watching about him purported that he was not as childish in like, you know, he was a little bit more sophisticated and like art, you know, articulate in his, uh, in his, you know, day to day. And I think this was someone who would where the idea for the laugh came from in this film. I think it was because they really wanted to portray him as childish and like, you know, unhinged. So I think Tom Hulse, is where it came from. I think he probably is, okay. you know, is part of his playing with the character. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was directed, but you know, that's just my speculation. Okay, trying um, to think. Is there anything else that I can remember? A detail that I thought was super interesting was that he was requisitioned by like some stranger to write the requiem. Mm. Uh, and so under some mysterious circumstances and he did apparently like start to like kind of go crazy over it a little bit like in letters he was starting to like you know uh, associate it with himself because he was starting to talk about death towards like the end of his life he, he was like i feel like i'm dying almost like you kind of knew it right well um, yeah he was exactly so from what we don't know yeah exactly from what we don't know um, yeah. but one of the documentaries I was saying was apparent was watching was saying apparently this was actually a, a, a requiem some like aristocrat had like was paying him to do it and the reason it was anonymous was because he wanted to take credit for well, it that would, uh, which is what Salieri wanted to do in the film not in, in the reality. F- in the film in the film yes. but yeah do not so. want to besmirch Salieri's good name no exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently this guy was writing it for his wife and he wanted to take credit for it. So that's why he was being cagey about it. Secret. Yeah. Let's see. Is that, do you have any other questions about the truth? I'm trying to think. I think that's like the things that stood out to me is mostly just the, that the entire like crux of the plot is entirely made up. Yeah. The entire crux of the Salieri Mozart relationship is false. Entirely yes. false. Yes. And like, if anything, they were maybe like respectful of each other and like as contemporaries. Yeah. yeah. So. So there's that. So it's more of like a Mozart fan fiction. It really is. It really is, a yeah. Mozart fan fiction. Because wasn't it? Because it was written by Pushkin. Um, yeah. The original story we we're talking about last week, and that was actually apparently I, I was reading it was written only 25 years after Salieri died. Really? Uh, which is... Uh, puts it kind of into in an interesting perspective, if you think about it like that. Yeah. Because it does make it seem a little bit more like fan fiction, doesn't it? It does. Oh, yeah, another thing that I thought... So, Salieri was saying that, like, when he was older, that nobody remembered his music, right? Yeah. I was more under the impression that, like, people didn't, like, forget about Salieri until a little bit later. 
That actually is a good question. And I, I, I was also thinking that I think it was, it was almost more of a uh, the the thing that was more unique was that we still remember Mozart's music. Exactly, one hundred. Rather than the fact that we forgot about Sally. One hundred percent. I think that's in reality the more unique thing. Because but, if you think about it, most composers that were around, most people don't know about them. Yeah, exactly. Most composers, like especially I in... like I bet you, like if if you asked any person off the street to name three composers, they probably wouldn't be able to do much more than three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. And most of them. And would that be... would probably be one of them would be Mozart. One of them would certainly be Mozart. Yeah. If it wasn't, who the fuck are you, honestly? Yeah, I mean the other two are probably Beethoven and Bach, but yeah, it's yeah. Mozart, Beethoven, and blank basically, and name your poison. <laughs> but yeah, probably Bach. So that's basically the truth. If you could, unless you can think of anything else. No, I think that's all um, I got. But yeah, there were some some. I mean, there's more like things like minor details that they they changed. Like you know, I think yeah. during the course of this film, the emperor would have died in reality mm-hmm. and been replaced with yeah, another one. Yeah, or the uh, the staging of Don Giovanni would have been in Prague. Or Exactly. Or Vienna. Or in Prague, sorry, yeah. What am I talking Yeah, which it actually I mean, it was. Actually, yeah, but, I mean, it all mixed up. But in the film, it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Um, what else? And, like, there's, you know, characters are omitted. Like, at the end of his life, Mozart had a student who was the one who actually finished the Requiem, whose name oh, I forget. Oh, it wasn't Salieri? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's not surprising. Doesn't, it's shocker. Uh, but yeah. as lending, you know, to your point earlier, I forgot the name of the his student, even. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's that's basically it, you know. And Mozart ain't encountered Beethoven at one point. It would have been funny if they put that in, but obviously that would have been. Oh yeah, that that would have. Yeah, I I, I believe that uh, one of them studied with the other one. I think well, Be- Beethoven, Beethoven was the is old... y- much younger. The younger one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he like as a kid, he like went and like played for Mozart or something, and like I mean, yeah, exactly. Mozart like told everybody he was like, "You better watch out for this kid." Yeah, yeah, this kid's gonna be something someday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is gonna be somebody. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny, but yeah, um, that's that's the truth. So before we before we close off this this episode, uh, do you have any uh, final thoughts about this amazing film? I mean, I think my final thoughts are pretty much unchanged. Although I think maybe if I watch the theatrical version, I think I might potentially prefer it. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe just because it doesn't run quite so long. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just. Like my, my problem is not with the running time because you know I like several movies that are very long. Yeah, no, yeah, it's my problem is that I, I, I think know what your problem. Extra footage doesn't contribute to the story. I think, and you're one hundred percent incorrect about that, and we can fight about it. But, but yeah, that's a fair point or a fair opinion. I respect your <laughs> your 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 right to hold that uh, that incorrect opinion. This opinion about... which I definitely hold. Huh. Uh, yeah, I, I will retain my opinion. My yeah, chance. fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, sick movie. I uh, I love this movie. I'm, yeah, it's, I'm gonna it's watch probably it again worth soon. a watch if you uh, if you have the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, I will, the one thing I will concede maybe to you is that I feel like maybe they could have given more time to Mozart's illness. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it kind of comes out of nowhere, but, except the fact that it just kind of seems like that's the point in the movie where you have to wrap it up. Well, I would disagree that it comes out of nowhere because I think you can, like, visually, he's clearly declining throughout the whole yeah. movie. Yeah, that's true. But uh, they don't, like, they don't, in the they script... Don't ever yeah. actually address that oh hey mozart you're not looking so good and he's yeah. like no i'm not feeling good like you know he's just all of a sudden he collapses yeah. because he's it exactly. comes to a, a head which i that you know yeah i'll concede that but yeah. other than that fight me i will all right all right all right well uh, that's that's uh that's, that's that that's this movie this week yeah. Well, um, I guess we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in again. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, one Thanks more to time. all our Italian listeners for giving us another listen. No way. Italians tuned in for... Italians did they tune in for in the, again. The, the first episode of Mozart? I believe it was that, yes. That's awesome. Mozart, Mozart did not like the Italians, unfortunately. Yeah, I no, know. It, well, they wanted to hear about Salieri, probably. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sorry. Well, I'm sorry, Italian listeners. I like you more than Mozart does. <laughs> yes. So with that, I, I suppose we'll see you next week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>